so you know a couple weeks ago we were talking about the PlayStation Portal. Like, who is this thing for? Yeah. You can't even use it outside of your home. Like, you can't use the... Uh, I, I, the term is escaping me, but it was not share play. It was like the... When you play over Wi-Fi, like my friend Miko, who he would play his PS4 through his Vita, like, at work. So you can't even do that with it. You have to be on the same network, I think. So you have to be at home to use it. Seemed kind of pointless, right? I think our friend, our, our cousin Joe said he was interested, but then again, he's interested in not everything PlayStation anyways. I finally figured, I finally, I've, I, I can finally see the reason why it would be useful. Let me tell you, the last, as of today, I have been married for three weeks. And I realized now, like, living with someone who's not like my family, not my mom, not, uh, uh, a, like a roommate, like when I used to live in a roommate during the, with a uh, with a roommate during the pandemic, like with a spouse, like if I want to play games or get get any gaming time, like she wants to be like around me or with me. Okay, so right now, like uh, over the last over the past weekend, we were watching uh, we we're watching on Netflix uh, some show she likes called Virgin River. It's like some kind of like soap opera or whatever. Yeah. But she wants me to be like nearby. I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. So, I started playing. I bought a new game. I'll talk about it. I'll talk about that later. But I was playing on my Switch, and I was like, oh, like this is comfy. Like she's watching her thing. We're in the same. We're on the couch. I'm on my Switch, and I was like, I really want to play PlayStation. I want to play my PS5, and I do. Like she doesn't mind if I go play it, but she likes to be with me, like just to occupy the same space, even if we're not doing the same thing. And my PS5 is in my gaming room. Right? And in my gaming room, I only have one chair right now. That's my big papa song. Like the kind of like the, the one you sink into. It's like an egg shaped kind of chair thing, right? Mm-hmm. And she can kind of sit on it. She can like sit on my lap or sit on the edge of the papa song, but it's like not comfortable for her for long term. And I'm like, you know what? I get it now. I get now who the PlayStation Portal is for. It's like you want to be able to play your PS5, but you want to be able to be flexible in terms of which room you're in in your house. I get it now. I get it now. So, like, I thought this was the most pointless, most niche thing. But in the course of three weeks, I've become a, a future buyer of the PlayStation Portal. Okay, hold up, though. Uh, I don't understand the logistics of this. So, she's in the room. She wants to spend time with you. Right. You need the PlayStation Portal. Why? Because she's consuming the time that you're on the TV. Yeah. Right? yeah. All right. So, how much is the PlayStation Portal? It's two hundred dollars MSRP. There'll be four tax. One ninety nine if you want to be specific. I would actually end up spending three hundred bucks and I could get like a twenty four inch Another T V? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. A, like you see my Ben Q, that thing is badass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would spend three hundred bucks, get a Ben Q, fl- flicker free, good on your eyes, uh maybe a hundred and twenty, fourteen forty P. Cause mine is uh like one twenty uh frame rate, fourteen forty P. It's got the the eye strength thing going on. Yeah, it's got so much going for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I paid it. I paid. I forgot how much, but it was over three hundred bucks. But this was like five years ago. Okay. No, yeah, but, I, I saw a. Um, but if you got a twenty four inch, I prefer that over a, a portal. No, yeah, I saw recently. I was at Walmart the other day, and they had like the, they already had like a fifty five inch like LCD like HDTV for like two hundred something dollars. Four K. I don't know. I think it's 4K. It might be. But for Netflix, it really doesn't, I don't think it really matters if it's 4K. I mean, if you get 4K 60, that's fine. And you can probably get that for 300 easy. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I was like, I might just get that then. That could, that could be an alternative, or maybe I can justify another PS5 purchase for her too, or something. Maybe. Why? Why? I don't know. Maybe I can get her into gaming. I don't know. <laughs> she's not. She's not opposed to the idea. You she's gotta just... start with a Game Boy or something. <laughs> That's a little too far. I think too far back. I think. Actually, I actually wrote a good article about this uh, three months ago about like the five best games to get your partner into like video game. Mm-hmm. I think one of them was uh, Tetris Effect. I think Tetris is a very basic, very easy to comprehend, very fundamental game. Uh, and you mentioned Game Boy. Like Tetris is what launched with the Game Boy, the original Game Boy. So I think it's a good, uh, good one. I also think, and going off on a tangent here, I think uh, Walking Sims. So like Gone Home. Or anything where you're just walking around it, like first person and just interacting with the environment, not like not dealing with enemies. I think those are also like that would be a good entry point for her. I also thought, and I pitched this to her because I she, she's very big into like ho- not horror. Um, she's very big into like a uh, murder mystery stuff. Like she loves like those murder podcasts or like those YouTube channels about like mysteries. I was thinking of playing um, Heavy Rain with her, but I'm playing and then just have her like just like experience it like secondhand. I don't think it's necessarily the type of game that you play with her. Like, of course, that's relevant. But how is she all of a sudden going to learn the configuration of the control? Well, that's what. So I think that's why Walking Sims, like Gone Home or like Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, are great. Because they're, it's basically you're not dealing with enemies on screen. So you're not in a sense of panic. You have all the time you need to learn how to walk and look and move in a 3D environment without the. Without the ex- like the threat of like death or something. All right, that makes sense. So like Gone Home was one of the games I mentioned in the piece I wrote because that game there's no time limit. You're not dealing with threats. You have all the time to learn how to move and like walk in a 3D environment. Because I think gamer as gamers we take that for granted that we know we grew up as that was a thing we were learning about with like the first time I ever played with like the Dual Shock controller with the double analog sticks was at our cousin Joe's house. He had it on PS One. I remember he had it on PS One. He had he had the the Rugrats game for PS One, and he had the DualShock controller. So we kind of we were in that window of time where we were just learning how to navigate 3D environments with two analog sticks. Right? We take that for granted that we know how to do that. Other people, like I've seen people like uh, I've seen YouTube videos where like older people will come back to gaming and they there's like just walking into walls, not knowing how to like navigate. You know what I mean? They just go forward. And they don't know that to turn the camera at the same time. Like, it's kind of like the patting your belly, rubbing your head kind of thing. Or, you know, patting your head, rubbing your belly thing. Yeah. So, I think that's a, a game like Gone Home where you're basically just... It's just environmental storytelling. And there's no existential threat or anything that's going to harm you or no time limits. That's, like, the perfect space for you to get, like, your... Break, like, your, your gaming feet wet kind of thing. So, Tetris Effect, Gone Home. I also recommended the old school Pokemon games because turn-based... I think turn base is like basically like checkers. You have the time to learn, read, know what to push for inputs, and then the thing plays out for you. So those are those are the kind of games I think are good for people who are not that familiar with controls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, back on topic. So, I think the PlayStation Portal is going to be when that launches. I'm probably going to pick that up at launch. So, anyways. Let's get into it. I was going to say this isn't a gaming podcast, but it is a it is a gaming podcast. So that would be disingenuous. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the DuoSense podcast, a weekly uh, video game podcast. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Orozco, joined by the badger of the high desert, the self-proclaimed lost cause because he's 
always down for the cause, never down for the count. The unnecessary one, the truth, is out there. Here's Johnny. What's up? We might as well say semi-weekly or bi-weekly. How do you say it? Well, bi-weekly would be if we did it every two weeks, I think. Yeah, we might as well say bi-weekly. So if we do end up dropping it like every week, they're like, oh my God, it's a surprise. Because every time I hear it <laughs> weekly, it feels like we're lying to them. No, because we did record last week. On no, Monday. we recorded two weeks ago. No, no, no. We recorded Monday of last week. Yeah. We're recording today, Wednesday, uh, Friday of this week. It's practically two weeks. But it's within the same week. It's not a lie. Because it is a week apart. I'm not saying it's exactly a week apart, but there is a weekend in between. Okay? So, I'm not lying when I say we're weekly so far. On a technicality. On a te- I'm going to put, like, weekly and then, like, a little asterisk. Like, a little asterisk in the description. Weekly-ish. Weekly-ish. Esque. Weekly-esque. <laughs> All right, John. Let's get into it. We have a couple of stories. Where did I put my phone? Oh, there's. We got three stories to cover. Uh... Let's get into it. Not going to waste any more time. And first one we got is what I'm mostly more, probably the most exciting, well, more exciting for you than me, I think. Let's get into it. This comes from the PlayStation blog uh, written by Sid yeah. Schumann. Your phone looks like it's been through a fallout. Oh, yeah, dude. My phone is so messed up. I dropped it. You know there's like an entire zone of my phone that doesn't even respond to my touch? You too? You've seen my phone. I got streaks down my phone. I got yeah. dead pixels. Yeah. But do you have that issue where like you're, there's a certain portion of your screen that doesn't react to your touch? I don't have that yet. I oh. just have like a couple dead streaks down my phone. Like I can move it here, but yeah. if I go like right here. Oh, no. I think it's like, oh, right here. Right oh, here yeah, is where yeah, nothing yeah. happens. Yeah. This is like the nothing zone. So it's annoying. Uh, written by Sid Schumann, senior director. It says... As the holiday season approaches, we are excited to share that we have a new PS5 model launching. To address the evolving needs of players, our engineering and design teams collaborated on a new form factor that provides greater choice and flexibility. These same technology features that make PS5 the best to play are packed into a smaller form factor, along with an attachable Ultra HD Blu-ray disk drive and a 1TB solid-state drive for more internal storage. The new PS5 has been reduced in volume by more than 30% and weigh and weight by 18 and 24% compared to the previous model. So he's he's comparing the digital and the non-digital versions. There are four separate cover panels with the top portion in a glossy look while the bottom remains in matte. If you purchase the PS5 digital edition, you can add the Ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive for PS5 later as it will also be sold separately for $79.99. That's, of course, in U.S. dollars. The new PS5 model will be available starting this November, so that's already next month, in the U.S. at select local retailers and at directplaystation.com, where available. It will continue to roll out globally in the following months. Once inventory of the current PS5 model, so the old one, has sold out, the new PS5 will become the only model available. The recommended retail prices for the new PS5 model are as follows, beginning with the rollout in November. I'm going to read the U.S. one. Uh, well, I'll do the Europe one too. I guess I guess that's important. Uh, so the U.S. for the U.S. a PS5 with an Ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive is forty nine four hundred ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents, which is basically the the average cost of the PS5 physical edition right now. Uh, the digital edition though will be four hundred forty nine dollars ninety nine cents, fifty dollars more than the current digital version, at least in the U.S. Uh, Europe it's going to be five hundred forty nine euros for the physical. 
and then uh, 449 euros for the digital version and so on and so forth. So it's whatever your regional equivalent is, basically. Uh, a horizontal stand will be included with the new PS5 model. Also, a new vertical stand compa compatible with all PS5 models will be sold separately at $29.99 USD. A variety of PS5 console cover colors for the new model will be available starting in early 2024, including all matte black colorway. That sounds awesome. And the Deep Earth collection colors in volcanic red, cobalt blue, ooh, and sterling silver. Oh, silver that sounds cool. Silver, silver sounds cool. Uh, prices for the PS5 console covers will start at $54.99 USD. And then, you know, your regional equivalent of that. We are 10 days away from the launch of Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Well, as of reading, it's like a week. But with additional games including Alan Wake 2 and Call of Duty Marvel 3 launching shortly after. With these fantastic games coming in addition to recent releases such as EA Sports Football Club 24, Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is already out, and Baldur's Gate 3, there's plenty for gamers to play on PS5 this holiday season. All right, Johnny. There you have it. So it seems like the only thing they're doing is increasing uh, the size of the internal memory from 500 gigs to a whopping one terabyte and keeping the price the same, just making it smaller. What are your thoughts about this, Johnny? I think it's substantial. If the price is the same and you're getting getting twice the uh, memory. Yeah, that's, that's pretty neat. It is. Uh, interesting to note... Which is kind of, I think it's kind of funny. The digital edition is going to be $50 more than the current uh, digital version of the system. But it's not just, uh, I don't know if you said this, but it's not just that it's uh, slimmer and all that. It's got the drive detached, right? There is an optional disk drive you can attach. For, it'll be, I think it said $70 or $80, dollars $79.99. Uh, so if you were to buy that. Oh, that's steep as hell yeah if you bought that and then you attached and you got it for your digital edition that's combines and it costs more than the actual if you just got the physical edition it by yeah, itself yeah if it, if it was somewhere like 50 bucks i'd be like that's still like reaching yeah but in the 70s that that's pretty nuts so if you were to buy the digital version and the disc drive later yeah, you on might as well get the disc drive you'll be spending like 30 dollars more 20 20 dollars more than it would have been if you just bought the physical edition and complete so there's almost no reason to I I will I wouldn't say no reason because maybe if you're someone who's a hardcore digital like purchaser then maybe but if you were to change your mind later on that's going to be cost you like an extra twenty dollars than if you had just bought the the physical in the first place. So well um you but know the what? good thing is oh, yeah. sorry no you want, go ahead go ahead I I you know I only get digital you know the reason why I'm in the middle of all this stuff whatever so that all digital makes perfect sense to me. But I think if you get the all digital is if you don't have friends. Because you're bound to have friends that have games that you don't have. Sure. So there's no reason to buy the digital unless you don't have friends. Sure. Um, I think the one pro of the digital version and the optional disk drive is if there's issues with the disk drive, you can just swap out. You can buy another one. If you get the all physical and there's Ooh, issues and there's something wrong with your disk drive, you're kind of just screwed because it's attached to it permanently. Yeah, but I've had like seven consoles and I've never had a disk drive issue. I yeah, I've never I I haven't, but I know people who have had issues with their disk drive where like the little laser lens breaks or uh, the actual part it spins the disk, the little thing that like clicks into the hole, like that part breaks or snaps or something. So like it's not impossible for it to mess up. Like it does happen, but it's nice to know that like 
you're not locked into that. You can just swap out another one. I actually did have one fail, but it was intentional. Uh, you're going to know the story. So, real quick. I uh, remember when we went to Mexicali. Yeah. And we were all super young. Yeah. We were all playing the, the PlayStation. And then one of our cousins came through. And he was a toddler. And he decided he's going to take his whole cup of water. You're talking about Sammy. Sammy. He took the whole cup of water, poured it onto the PlayStation. And that was a critical failure. So, I don't know if it was just a disc drive, but... Yeah, that that's I think that yeah, an that's, extreme type of situation. That's more so. than just a distract. I think that's like, like the circuits or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it does happen. It does happen. So it, it there's kind of like, I guess there's a price to modularity, but there's also pros to the modularity. Like later on, like you don't have to. It seems like we're doing that a lot. I think like Xbox is doing something similar. Like we're kind of approaching this kind of like. The, the lines between, like, PC gaming and console gaming are, like, starting to blur a little bit. Where, like... And also with foot with mobile, too, where, like, where it's really just modularity and, like, frequent updates rather than being locked into one system for, like, the course of seven years or whatever. Like, there's, like, these little incremental changes we're going to keep, like... We're approaching... Not, not singularity, exactly. We're approaching, like, a, a... The blurring of, I think, PC and console as they become much, much more closer, I think, in terms of, like, tech, so... I find that interesting. And then, like, this isn't even, like, you mentioned, like, you mentioned off, off pod, like, how you're, this isn't the model you're waiting for. You're waiting for, you're waiting for the pro version, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's, I think that's more apt for that comparison as we're approaching kind of, like, you know, upgrading your PCs to new graphic cards, graphic cards, like, you're kind of doing the same thing with the, you're looking at the PS5 as, like, I want to see the new iteration of the PS5, right? The actual, like, hardware iteration. So, I just thought that was interesting uh, to mention. You saw the picture right? I showed you, like where you, it shows you like swapping out the the part. Yeah, it looks neat. It's got the, it's got the what is it? The lines in the middle. It's mm-hmm. broken up to four pieces. Yeah, and the swapping out of the, the CD drive looks pretty simple. Yeah, I think I. It's also someone showed me a compare a better comparison picture with the current one where like it looks like it's slimmer, but it's actually also just shorter overall. It is shorter. Like it's not the same height as the regular piece, right? And just thinner. It's actually shorter alongside being thinner also. Man, there is no portability to the PS5. No, it's a bulking behemoth. That's true. So, uh, I mean, I don't really need this. I'm okay with my PS5 the way it is. Um, but I think if you were somebody who was on the fence about getting a PS5, just wait till November and get this better version. Or, if the rumors hold true, uh, wait, like what, maybe a year for the Pro? Probably yeah. about a year away, maybe, if that. It seems weird to have these this many. It seems odd to have that many like PS5 SKUs though. I think you have this new thinner digital, this new thinner physical, and then you're still gonna have like a Pro probably later on. Like I don't know. But that's always been the case with PlayStation. Yeah, maybe. Well, not the Pro because the Pro we just got for the PS4. Yeah, but all the PlayStation prior to that, uh, it was a slimmer PS3. Yeah, yeah slimmer ps2 but you didn't have like four skews for for ps2 you know what i mean like at the same time so or whatever the equivalent's going to be but um well i guess we're gonna see uh like i keep telling people if you don't have a ps5 right now you're not really missing much honestly unless like johnny you really want to play uh not ratchet and clank uh, i'm sorry returnal i want to play returnal i want to play the spider-man 2 comes out next week then you might need a PS5. <laughs> yeah. Because you know that's going to yeah. be a banger. Uh, but other than that, other than that, unless you're not, if you're not a fan of Marvel, you're not a fan of, uh, what will Return will be? 
uh, roguelites or whatever, then you're not missing too much. Uh, let's move on to the next. Oh, Johnny, so you say, so you say you're not inter- you personally are not interested in getting this model, right? Not this one. No. You're still holding out for something better. All right. Oh, yes. All right. Let's move on. Next, we go to GameIndustry.biz, and this is more of a rumor. This isn't really uh, concrete, so we're gonna go. We're gonna take this with a grain of salt. Uh, this comes from yeah, GameIndustry.biz, written by Sophie McAvoy. She's the staff writer over there. It says Disney reportedly looking to acquire major publisher like EA. Oh boy, CEO Bob Iger said to be non-committal about potential deal. Disney is reportedly looking to acquire Electronic Arts or a company of a similar scale as a way back into games publishing. As reported by Bloomberg, which we're not reading because it's paywalled and neither and I, neither I or Johnny cared about paying for Bloomberg. As reported by Bloomberg, some Disney executives have allegedly suggested that CEO Bob Iger could transform the company from a gaming licensee to publisher by acquiring EA. Iger is reportedly, quote, non-committal, end quote, about the potential acquisition. EA reportedly discussed acquisition plans with Disney last year. The publisher also allegedly talked with NBC Universal, Amazon, and Apple. However, talks with NBC Universal reportedly fell through. Disney was a games publisher until 2016 when it closed Disney Infinity Studio Avalanche and exclusively stuck to a licensing model for properties its own. I'm sorry, to a licensing model for properties it owns for developers to use. Recent Disney licensed games include Return to Monkey Island, Disney Illusion Island, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Upcoming titles include Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, Spider-Man 2, Star Wars Outlaws, and an Indiana Jones game by Wolfenstein developer Machine Games. In recent years, Disney has told GameIndustry.biz it's keen to work with studios of all sizes as it expands its presence in games, most recently emphasizing that no IP is off-limits to indie developers. All right, so that's that's the end of that article. Johnny, Johnny, I am of two minds on... uh, I can see a pro and I can see a con. I guess I see way more of a con, but I can see a pro for this. Uh, do you want to take it or do you want me to go first? Go for it. So, I don't... So, let me, let me say the con first because I think that's the mo, that's I have much more to say about that. I don't like... And we talked about this before. I don't like this kind of cannibalization, Ouroboros snake eating its own tail of video game publishers and companies just consolidating. I... I we know we talked about this before. We don't like the idea of the industry becoming smaller by it cannibalizing itself, right? The acquisitions and mergers, all of this talk, Tencent, Sony, Xbox, all of this uh, embracer, all of these like companies just buying each other and and just con uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm gonna say con- con- convalescent. That's not the right word. Condensing, I guess. Condensing or. Uh, convalescing convo i can't think of the term exactly but the idea of it basically being compacted and squished together into bigger entities and fewer bigger entities basically uh i think that's bad for the overall industry i i feel like disney has not been on their game for several years now and then for them to bring down another publisher even like one like ea with it it just seems like uh it just seems bad for gaming overall because you're gonna be taking away what could be like in like individual games or i'm sorry new ip and stuff and just slapping your like ip your disney ip across games and stuff and like 
I don't like that idea. I, I really feel like Disney is better off just license, just making money passively by just licensing out its properties, let the developers figure out how to use them, and then just make a steady, easy income by just basically renting out your properties. And just, you know, you make money passively that way without too much work, and you're not interfering with creative visions outside of your own, like, you know, your own realm. Inversely, and this is like a very weird positive I feel that Disney would be a better curator of its own IP. If you remember when they gave EA 10-year license to make Star Wars games and EA basically did nothing, they canceled more games than they made. I feel like Disney would be much better at curating its own properties. Like if they brought back like LucasArts or whatever or did something like that where they would know how to make... I, th- I feel like they would know a little bit they would know how to handle Star Wars as a video game property better than EA ever did, in my opinion. Aside from, you know, uh, Jedi Survivor and uh, Fallen Order, those are like the two. And then Battlefront, which that was a whole that was a whole separate issue. But like, I feel if they were to acquire a studio and then just make games on their own, that would free up all the other studios like Ubisoft or any other studios to make their own stuff, right? If they're not licensing it out to other studios who could be making their own intellectual property and they just focus that interior, like, okay, like, yeah, create your own studio, Disney, make your own gaming studio, your own publisher. And then you're not, at least then you're not pulling time and resources from other studios outside that could be working on other things that are not Disney related. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, focus on building your team, focus on building your brand, build your, you know, build your in-house development studios. At least that way, Ubisoft, EA, other people are free to work on their own things and we get more like IP. We get more creativity rather than like making them into sweatshops for you making your own pay. Do you get what I'm saying, kind of, Johnny? Or I get you for the most part. I agree with most of what you're saying, but I think there's a contradiction. You're saying Disney would be a shepherd of their, a better shepherd of their own IPs if they developed them themselves. But at the same time, earlier you said they haven't been on their A game. True. I okay. You're right. I that's why I said I'm of two minds where I could see it kind of going either way. I, I could just see it going in a negative way. Okay. On however you I've, put it. I, I realize now that it does sound like a very like an oxymoron kind of thing. Where I okay. Let me let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it real quick. So I feel like Disney's corporate policies could possibly bring down another like AAA studio or, or publisher. Okay, like in terms of making bad decisions at a corporate level, not a creative level, but more like the day to day managerial corporate stuff. I feel like they're been on their off. I mean, did you see that thing about how they're finally going to start using actual like uh, for their Marvel shows? They're finally going to actually make like uh, actual showrunners. Like what the hell were they doing before that then in terms of like developing like, oh, like we're actually going to have like screenwriters. They've and stuff. been winging fucking everything. Yeah, they've been just like just throwing millions of dollars and it's like, oh, we'll figure it out on the way to go. We'll solve this in post-production, like a lot of that stuff. I think that's why the MCU looks like shit right now. Exactly. The first 10 years, they planned it all out. Everything here is just like we're fucking recasting. Like you don't know what you know what shows are going to develop, but they have no plan to it. Yeah. So so that's my worry is if they acquire a bigger studio, they might might just end up shutting down that studio EA style later on or just like cannibalizing it. Like just destroying that studio that's what i meant from a business perspective right i think they're a better shepherd of their stuff creatively so creatively and then business are two different things in my case is what i'm saying i think they would be able to i think they would put out more star wars games than ea would have done in the same time span so i'm saying 
you know what I'm saying? Kind of. I know it's not like a contradiction. I'm saying Disney proper as a company would destroy another company that it acquired. But Disney creatively would probably be, I mean, this with Dave Filoni or whatever, like their stories would be much more tighter. So I'm saying creatively in-house. All right. Does that make more sense now? Kind of. Sort of. Sort of. Okay. That's that's the best I I can do. (laughs) I say what I think you're saying. Not all of it. I'm not speaking for you, but personally, uh, of course, I don't like the whole thing where they're eating up companies, you know, you, I agree. We're on point with that, right? Absolutely. Uh, on a personal level, I don't like Disney because it becomes Disneyfied, you know? Okay. Like all the games at EA. Kitty? Yes. That kitty shit. I think the writing on used to be like really fucking great, like Lion King type of dope shit, right? Okay. And the new shit, the writing is just terrible to me. The second part is honestly, they would just wokeify everything. That's one big ass part, one big ass concern for me. Okay. Another part would be, uh, fuck, I think I missed a point. Um, uh, for oh, or oh, against? I, I got it. Okay. Against. Um the saturation like right now there's a few properties that are going out to different companies and we're like okay when's this going to come out we have an idea of how long it takes this company the production value all that stuff right yeah but you've seen what's happened to all the other ips like uh there is the star wars stuff and then there's the marvel stuff and then there's the disney plus sure and there's so much fucking saturation in that stuff like is that going to happen to video games where they're like we need to make this Disney game and this one and this one and this one and this one. And all of a sudden, there's like five Star Wars video games and they're all like diluted. You get, you see where I'm going with this? Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I can, I, yeah, I think that's the argument for why I think they'd be, they'd be a better like internal like for their own stuff rather than spreading it across the cosmos, across all the developers. Yeah, because if they, if they decided... But then we do make... get good stuff, though. Like, all the Spider-Man games are bangers. Depends on the studio. Because of uh, Insomniac. Yeah, yeah. Because they have their own culture going on. But if Disney took them under their umbrella, they would just have this mandate, not just of, like, push Disney games. It would be, like, push this type of culture type of shit. And then everything would be, I don't know what the word is, like homogenous? Yeah, homogenized, yeah. Yeah, everything would start to feel the same. Same. There would be different, like, projects going on, but they'd all feel like the same old shit. You get me? I do get what you're saying, yeah. Uh, that's the problem is that we're not, we're not that eloquent with our words, so it's a little hard. But I get what you're saying because that's kind of, I, I felt like I made that argument too in a way where, I mean, I didn't approach it from the cultural way like how you did. I was talking about in terms of, like, um, I saw it as the stuff will be unified kind of like how under star Wars, all the books in star Wars now are in line with whatever's going on with the shows are in line with whatever's going on with the movies. So I, I felt like that's maybe, and they bring the internal, there's more of a chance of it being like, um, coherent, at least from a story perspective, if they're doing Disney games or whatever, then like, it's going to match up with whatever they're doing Disney wise. Uh, but then like we just talked about, like the counterpoint to that is like, if you give it to the right studios, you get amazing stuff like the Spider-Man games. Uh, but then you also screw up. You get the Avengers game like with Square Enix. So like, I guess it's it's pro. It's hit or miss. What's, what's I I just I personally prefer. I think it. I prefer if they just built out. They just got their own talent and just built up their own studio on their own. And you're saying the danger with that is there's probably not enough creative outs outside input, right? 
There's, it becomes like you say, it becomes too uh, Disney fi. It's too yeah because when you cookie cutter because when you send the project out to a different studio, they put their take on it. They put their take on it. They put their twist, and then yes, fail. Some some projects do fail, and then you get those gems like the Spider Man stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Or with like the um, I don't know if this is or like the Wolverine game is gonna come. Yes, out. that's gonna be fucking amazing. Like we yeah. just know that's gonna be Insomniac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then if you have Disney across the board. If one thing fails, you can expect everything else to start failing. True. It's it's that whole thing of like like a rotten apple in a fucking barrel. Like everything yeah. else will just gradually start to rot. There's no barrier in between that. I got what you're saying. Okay. Because because you know what? Because we do like for all the complaints of every canceled Star Wars game, like we still got Jedi Survivor, we still got Jedi Fallen Order. Out of that, yeah. out of that mess, there were a few diamonds in the rough. Right. Yeah. There's good things. You're saying putting all your eggs in one basket there's greater risk of like like if this thing comes out like man it's gonna make everything else look like crap and then that crap spreads to other crap and so on and so forth right yeah yeah i get what you're saying so are you are you pro disney building out its own team in studios or are you pro disney acquiring a big publisher or are you pro like leave it how it is and keep them as a licensee i prefer their license licensing things out yeah i think me i agree but I'm not opposed. But that's less. It's also less money for them. I think that's why they want to. Do, that's why these executives are telling you know Iger like, like you guys need to be more involved in the process because of course they want more money. They want more you know uh, residuals, all that stuff to be in house because you do lose out some money by being a licensee. But also that's just less work for you too. I think so. I guess it depends on how you look at it. But I'm not opposed to them. Well, I mean they can buy studios. I just don't want them to to buy those like. The ones Landmark that could be studios. Yeah, the ones that could be doing better stuff. Yeah, I want them to get other studios where there's obvious talent, but they don't, maybe don't have a, a massive like God of War type of thing. They don't right? have the the resources. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. they have some good ideas, they got talent. They're not very well known. Just buy them. I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm good either way. I would prefer them. I would prefer them doing their own thing or just keep it with licenses i the worst of the three the worst for me is them buying like a big top publisher and then like screwing that up okay if they want to screw up their own stuff that's on their own but ideally keeping it the way it is Hmm? uh say little nightmares yeah like who makes a little nightmares uh i forgot i don't remember the name of the studio it's like a small studio okay that's a great example they're clearly talented they don't have too many games under the belt Mm -hmm. that are as well known as little nightmares you know three is coming out right yeah, awesome. so I think that would be a perfect picture. It's a smaller studio. They have creativity. They have the mechanics down. Like, dude, imagine Little Nightmares, but Disneyfy that. Tarsier Studios. Uh, that's their name. It's a Swedish developer. Tarsier Studios, and then it's published by Bandai Namco. So Tarsier, Tarsier. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Tarsier Studios is a Swedish studio that makes the Little Nightmare games. Yeah, so. If they bought a studio like that, I'd, I'd be... I can see Little Nightmares working as, like, um, as the mice from Cinderella, kind of. Exactly. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't hiding. know what property to attach to them, but that makes sense. Because that's, ki- that's, like, apt. Like, you're hiding, you're running from bigger creatures, and you're kind of just, like, living, like, in the little, like, mouse holes and, like, little, cr- like, nooks and crannies and just trying to survive g- gathering stuff. Like, that could work for, like, something like that, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to our next story. And the last one right here, uh, this comes from Xbox proper. 
uh, written by Joe Scribbles, Xbox Wire Editor-in-Chief. It says, welcoming the legendary team at Activision Blizzard King to Team Xbox. It says, we love gaming. We play games, create games, and know firsthand how much gaming means to all of us as individuals and collectively as a community. And today we officially welcome Activision Blizzard and their teams to Xbox. They are the publishers of some of the most played and most beloved franchises in gaming history across console, PC, and mobile. From Pitfall to Call of Duty, World of Warcraft to Overwatch, Candy Crush Saga to Farm Hero Saga. Their studios have pushed the boundaries of gaming for players around the world. I've long admired the work of Activision, Blizzard, and King and the impact they've had on gaming entertainment and pop culture. Whether it was late nights spent playing the Diablo 4 campaign with friends from start to finish. Johnny and I can relate to that. Gathering the entire family in the rec room for our weekly Guitar Hero night. I can relate to that. Or going on an epic streak in Candy Crush. Some of my most memorable gaming moments came from experiences their studios have created. It's incredible to welcome such legendary teams to Xbox. Alright, I mean there's more to that, but I'm not going to keep reading. It's just like a long love letter. kind of. It's like a very like pat on the back, pat yourself on the back kind of uh, read. Uh, Johnny, so that's it. It's official. They are merged as of today. Uh, Friday the 13th. Ooh, spooky. Friday the 13th in October. Ooh, in October, even spookier. Um, the acquisition is complete. How long until we see Call of Duty on Game Pass? Probably not this year. Probably next year, I think. But Next year, that's soon. Could be. They're, they're officially merged now. I think it's a little late to do it now with the Call of Duty coming out, Like I think, this month. I think it's a terrible idea. Which part? To have all their game day one on Game Pass. Well, they've been doing that for a while. And you're right. We've talked yeah, about that before. Fucking Call of Duty. Call of Duty should be not on Game Pass for at least, I don't know, like six months. After, you think? Yeah. They might do that. To, they might do that. the a la carte retail purchase and then throw it on Game Pass six months later. But I, I would think Xbox would want to like really stick it to PlayStation by having it available day one. Cause like that's gonna if that's that would pull people I think away from PlayStation at least some some people. I get you, but that's like short term gains I think. True. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know what they would do. I I mean that's that's the thought process that they would do that, but we don't know like in actual reality how that would work out. Well, we know reality. We already have the, all those leaked emails about cannibal uh, cannibalizing games. Oh, the sales, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. But I'm saying I don't know if that's enough, like, because you you can't you can't back away now. Like, there's like even Phil Spencer says, like, well, we can't like go backwards. Like, people, we've told people, like, oh yeah, day one on X on Game Pass. Like, you can't. It's not like something they can just ignore and shove un, like shove under the rug anymore. You can't like sweep it under the rug and be like, like, no, no, we're gonna change our policy. Like, can you imagine like the outrage of, over like changing the policy now? Like, you're t- you're in too deep. Okay, three months. Three months would be reasonable, I think. I think, and this is something that someone I forgot who mentioned this. The new method, because this okay, look, peep this. They did this with Starfield, where they offered Star Starfield's day one on Game Pass, right? Yeah. But if you like me, wanted to play it five, was it six days early? It was like $30 up front for the premium version. That is their new, that's the ticket now. That's the new way where you don't, be, you don't, you don't back away from the day one on Game Pass. Now you have like day negative five if you pay up. You get what I'm saying? So they now have this new revenue model where they're not lying about it being free day one on Game Pass, 
But if you're like someone like me who's impatient, you can play six days earlier, but you do have to pay up. So I think that's their new... Because imagine if, if they're doing day one on all these games or whatever for Xbox for their first party studios, all they have to do is come up with an artificial release date of saying like it comes out this week. Maybe you intended it to come out the week before, but now you get to charge for that week before and you're not lying about it being day one on Game Pass when the worldwide official release date is. You know what I'm saying? So that's their new revenue model. If they want to take it that way, and they wouldn't be lying about day one on Game Pass, it would be free a few days later. But if you're so, if you're one of those impatient like gamers like I am, then and you pay like half the price of the game, and like even if I stop paying Game Pass, Johnny, if I stop paying for Game Pass, I lose that game that I spent thirty dollars on. You know what I'm saying? Because it's tied to Game Pass. It's an upgrade. It's an upgrade on the base free game. That sounds kind of scummy because their whole pitch was like oh we want people to we want everybody to access these games sure and it's it's the with same an asterisk thing. johnny with an asterisk yeah but it's the same thing they, they were complaining about sony saying like hey these they can't be exclusive games and they totally fucking turned back on that shit because now you're making it exclusive to a, a like a certain demographic that can for pay, a certain amount of time that can pay early for like less than a week for like about a week so it's like the same thing that they so were supposedly fighting against. Sure, they're doing, but like on a negative, they just like flipped it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they it's, just flipped it on the timing. You're pl- it's we call it. It's like the we say the spirit of the law versus the actual law kind of thing. Yeah, where like they're not lying. So I'm saying it's like, like everybody can get Game Pass. Everybody can access it. Sure, but you just gotta pay a little extra. It's like that saying like everybody's free or no, everybody's equal, but some are more equal than others kind of thing. Well, those are special privileges. Yeah, exactly. The here it's like kind of like pay to. It's not pay to win. It's pay to play kind of thing. Yeah. Like you'll have access to it if you just wait a week. But if you want to play it now, you can pony up some extra cash to get to it. Which uh, it's like I'm not opposed to the model. If they found a way to make more money and people are willing to pay for it, like that's fine for me. Mm-hmm. Except the fucking PR. It's like a whole lie. That's my problem. Well, with it. I mean, yeah, you're right. There is. The the spirit of the message is different than the intention. Yeah, I, I yeah you're right, you're right about that. Uh, all this up real quick, and now I'm curious. Uh, Starfield premium upgrade sales. I wonder if that information is available or not. I want to see if it is. Uh oh, okay. This comes from September fourth from Yahoo Finance. I want to read this real quick. Uh, I guess Yahoo has like a game section called Game Revolution. That's like their little like uh, outlet within an outlet. It says Starfield Premium Edition upgrade is the best-selling item on Xbox, uh, written by Daniel D'Angelo. It says while many players are already enjoying Starfield in early access, Bethesda sci- so this was written in September six. While many players are already enjoying Starfield in early access, Bethesda sci-fi RPG doesn't technically release until September six. This was re- written September fourth. Uh, however, many gamers are eager to get their hands on it, making Starfield's Premium Edition upgrade the best-selling item on Xbox. Says, uh, as Pure Xbox reported, that's the name of the outlet, Pure Xbox. Uh, the Starfield Premium Edition upgrade is the best-selling item on the Xbox marketplace in both the US and the UK. It also managed to break the UK's top 10 physical sales for games. The Starfield Premium Edition upgrade placed 7th this week, coming in behind Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate and Grand Theft Auto 5. As Christopher Dring from GameIndustry.biz said in a recent tweet, that's impressive for a code in a box 
that just unlocks the game a few days early for Game Pass subscribers, which is what we've been talking about, Johnny. He wondered if this might start a trend of other studios doing something similar. Starfield's premium edition upgrade provides a variety of perks for those who purchase it. This includes a digital art book and soundtrack, cosmetic upgrades for the player's rifle, space suit, helmet, and boost pack. Players will also get access to Starfield's planned story DLC, though Bethesda hasn't announced the expansion's release date yet. However, the biggest perk for some players may be the five-day early access period. Game Pass subscribers can upgrade to Starfield Premium Edition and unlock early access for only $3.50. However, non-subscribers will need to pay quite a lot more for the privilege. The Premium Edition upgrade retails for $35 on top of the $70 for the base game. They can also buy the Starfield Premium Edition as a single package for $100. The post-Starfield's Premium Edition upgrade is a best-selling item on Xbox. Uh, oh, the, this is talking about the article appeared on Game Revolution. Uh, so there you have it, Johnny. They were able to smartly uh, pivot around the whole, like, oh, like, oh, we're going to lose money because people are just going to play on Xbox Game Pass, whatever. It's like, no, like, there's a whole market of gamers who are impatient, super impatient like me, who are willing to shell out the extra money just to play it early. And then, like, and that's, like, that's halfway, that's, like, the halfway point between Game Pass and then just buying the physical game separately. That, that $35 in between is like the perfect, you know what I'm saying? Like it's the perfect like midway point where you're not losing, like people are still paying for it, but they're not paying for the full game because they have Game Pass. They're paying for the extra free access on Game Pass just ahead of five days early. I think it's very clever. Yeah. I just don't like the whole line as PR behind it. No, I And then people making you. decisions ahead of time yeah. thinking that this wasn't going to be like a thing, you know? like Yeah. Well, we're seeing, I mean, this isn't the only one. There's, what was a... Uh, uh shoot not street fighter not, no i think it was, was it street fighter 6 who also they did the same thing where it was like you buy like a certain version of the game you get four days early access like early the early access thing now is going to be the new mo- the new economic model for games in the age of like subscriptions i think is going up going forward yeah for, like for me it's not a thing because you know i'm like you can I'll, wait. I'll wait you can wait I'm forever patient. yeah, yeah. But, but it does take advantage of people who are just very antsy, who just want to play the newest thing, like, fresh. Yeah. And I think, like, it, I I don't think it's a bad thing because if you're, like, someone like you who has self-control, like, I could just wait the five days. The only reason I didn't wait the five days was because I had a lot of, like, wedding stuff coming up. And I was like, I need to get to it this weekend or else I'm not going to have time for this later on, basically. So mm-hmm. that was the only reason why. I mean, I in those five days, I beat the game, basically, the first time. So it, for me, it was worth it. But, like... For someone like you or someone who's more economic or someone who's more careful with their money, like you don't lose anything by just waiting a few days and getting it like as part of your subscription package for free. Mm-hmm. Free being the asterisk because you're paying for the subscription model. But you know what I mean? Like it's not costing you extra money. Right. So I think that's going to that's going to be probably the new model going forward for some games. I would be very surprised. Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 is not doing that, right? I don't think so. I doubt it. I wouldn't be surprised. Like Call of Duty kind of does that already. Call of Duty has been doing that since last last year. I pl- I paid the what was it? The extra I think it was the extra fifteen or twenty dollars to play uh, the story mode uh, for Modern Warfare Two uh, four days before they launched the multiplayer mode. So that yeah, that was the thing last year already. Yeah, I'll, I don't know if anybody listening did this. I think Miko, if he's listening, he did this too. But like some of us. We paid. We paid up for. Oh no! We pre-ordered with an like extra like ten dollars, and that gave us access to the campaign like a week before the multiplayer dropped. 
which was good because most people who play Call of Duty only play the multiplayer anyways. So you were getting, and they usually skip the campaign because they rather just play multiplayer. So for the for some of us, like I play both, I always play the campaign, I always play the multiplayer. So I got the campaign, and I was able to get that out of the way, and then be in time for the multiplayer drop when everybody's fresh to the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So this is like the new model, I think, for some games going forward. But um, anyways, so that's that. Uh, Johnny, any final thoughts about this? Uh, about the the best uh, I can't think today Starfield thing premium model no wasn't that the same deal as uh, the closer or are we talking about two different stories well closer never mind let's continue okay alright that's it for our stories this week it looks like so Johnny let's get into what we've been ta- uh, playing uh, actually nothing new Nothing new this week. Uh, the last thing I played was... Hold on. Hold that thought. Okay, in that case, what have you still been playing then? I imagine you've been playing something, even if it's not new. Nothing, really. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to process. Uh, there's Mortal Kombat. I'm trying to get back into that. Uh, Not one, right? Uh, 11. 11, okay. Yeah, because the two games that we... I think it was after Diablo that we had a drop a few games. But those were Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. So I'm trying to catch up on that stuff. Isn't there... There's like a... Oh! Callisto Protocol is now the free game this month, isn't it? Yes. Are you going to try that one? Because uh, that is last-gen, too. That's on PS4, too, right? I think? Sure, if you if you get it. Because, you know, like I said, I didn't... Uh, no, but it's on PS Plus. It's free for the month. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I didn't re-update my... Oh, you didn't? Game. Oh, okay. I'll add it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to add it anyways. Yeah, I'll give that a try. There's, I, like, two other games, too. I'm not too. too enthused. Like, aesthetically, it looks really cool. But the gameplay seems to be terrible. The reviews weren't that hot about it. And yeah. Stuff, yeah. Uh, that's it. I mean, what have you been playing, though? So... As of last recording up to today, I've been playing Disgaea 7, a uh, strategy RPG on my Switch. Uh, that kind of goes into what we were talking about earlier about like how it's convenient now that like uh, like my wife likes to watch stuff as I play like in the same in the same space. So I bought it on Switch knowing that, but also because Disgaea 7, it, the type of game it is is a strategy RPG where like, you move around kind of like XCOM. That that kind of game plays very well on Switch on mobile, where you can kind of take it everywhere, take turns. Because like, I find that harder to play that on console when I'm like kind of like um, tethered to a TV. Like with that, I play it wherever I go. Like I played it when I'm waiting for her to get off work. I played it uh, at lunch at work. I can play it like it's it's very convenient to play that kind of game because it's like a turn based game. So like it it really benefits from a, from being like a mobile experience. Um, for those people who don't know. Uh, Disgaea 7, of course, is the seventh entry in a long-running uh, JRPG franchise called Disgaea. It's a, it's a really interesting. It's like an anime-looking game. If you if that aesthetic, if you know what I'm talking about, like kind of uh, Persona-looking, if that helps. Like think of Persona the way that looks, and it's it's basically that. But it's uh, it's like little chibi, like compressed-looking characters, like the chibi squish 2D kind of characters. It's about angels and demons and aliens and robots. Like, it's a very weird mosh pit of, like, character design. Like, I, I my team has a samurai on it. There's a magician. 
there's a robot, an android, and then there's like a, like a super like cutesy kind like succubus, succubus I think like a demon. Succubus. There, there you go. Like it's like a weird mixture of like every kind of fantasy, not trope exactly, but it does. It, it's a game series that doesn't take itself seriously. It's very self-aware. It's like fourth wall breaking. Um, characters will often say things like. Like oh you can't do that like this is like a, a rated T game or something like 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 it's a very self aware it's very comedic it's, it's a hilarious game series but um the last entry Disguise Six was like the worst like that was like by uh, universally agreed to, like the fan base agrees that Six is the worst so like when Seven was announced we were like I don't know I don't know let's see what they do and I'm glad to say that Seven is definitely better than Six it's not the best in the series but it's definitely like it's like in the midpoint it's not the worst either thankfully um so the game kind of revolve you basically go from like map to map like stage to stage uh you go around taking out obstacles to take out all the unit all the enemy units and then of course you level up uh the touchstone or the major thing for the disguise series is that the stats are like, incre- like inc- crazy like big numbers like you can level up to level 9999 and then like you'll see like the attacks, the animation play out and like the numbers that pop up are like sometimes like in the millions. So like it's a game that's known for its exaggerated nature. It's supposed to be like a very kind of fourth wall comedy. It doesn't take itself very seriously is what it is. It's just a very fun, like exaggerated game series. That's what it is. Um, it's on Switch. It's on PS5. It's also on PC. Uh, and I've been having a great time. I'm 20 hours in. Uh, so far, like from when I started, I'm like 24, 20 hours in. I want chapter eight, and I think there's 11 chapters, so uh, it's not hard. The beginning, the first three hours of the game are kind of hard because like the enemies take you out very easily. Once you get, once you're able to like kind of grind levels and grind maps, it becomes like subta- substantially easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game gives you a lot of equipment. You have like a lot of items to use. the The skill sets, the abilities are very are very hilarious. Like um. One of your character's special attack involves him like tripping and hitting the enemy with his head accidentally, and it does like a lot of damage. <laughs> it's funny. It's I forgot what the move is called, but like the way the animation plays out is like he's being carried by like some servants on like a bed, and then one of those one of those servants trips on a rock, and so your character flies off the bed, and his head makes contact with the enemy, and that's how you do damage. Mm-hmm. So like I said, like the game is like very it's stupid kind of. It's it's really stupid, but it's very funny. It's it's just very it's a good time. It's a really good time. And so um twenty hours in, chapter eight, I'm almost done with it. I'm trying to wrap it up before Spider Man two comes out next week. I'm pretty sure I will beat it by then because it's what do you think your grade is gonna be? You know what? Like when I compare it to the other games in the series, it's like at a seven or a six for me. Like it's it's good, but it's far from being the best in my opinion. Um six is pretty low. Yeah, but that's because six and uh, Disgaea six relative and, to the other stuff. Yeah, Disgaea six is really bad. Like that game is not fun at all. It was so so laughably easy that it just had no challenge. It was just really boring. And then I really don't like uh, Disgaea three. That one is very uh, overly complicated. It's not fun. The humor sucks. The writing's bad. And all the other games are just either better or about the same as this one. So uh, I say six or seven because Disgaea three and Disgaea six are just so bad. I would put those lower than six. But this game is not as good as the peaks, which are like two and uh, five for me. So 
This is like the last Jedi. No, no, no. This is more like the uh, Rise of Skywalker in terms of dis- in terms of Star Wars. If you're going to come up with it, where it's not amazing, but it's not as bad as like the Last Jedi or something. You know, or Attack of the Clones, which are the, the bad Star Wars. You know what I mean? So that's how I compare it. C- compare it, like grading it like in a void with no comparisons. I probably put it like at an eight. It's very, it's a very enjoyable game, but it's just not as good as some of the other ones. Is what I'm saying. So I'm 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 ha- I'm having fun every time I pop it out. Like in between whatever I'm doing, I'm just like playing like in the bed or whatever, or on the mm-hmm. couch. Like I'm having a great time with it. So uh, it just doesn't do anything like super. It's not it's not revolutionizing the genre. Is what I'm saying, right? It's just very funny, very exaggerated, just very. It's enjoyable. It's all I want out of that kind of game. I don't want like a Last of Us experience. I'm not looking for dramatic storytelling. I'm looking to have a good time, like in small bursts of like small little bursts of 15, 20 minute episodes so that's it that's all i've been playing uh i know i'm gonna beat it by the time spider-man 2 comes out a week from today that's gonna be obviously my next big game if i beat it within this weekend i want to get back to armored core 6 before spider-man 2 comes out so like monday tuesday wednesday thursday it's kind of rough to learn those mechanics in there no it's not really because no because it's just four it's like four attack buttons and you know how to boost you know how to jump like it's not Armored Core Six, I think, is a game that's kind of easy to pop back and forth if you if you keep it fresh in your mind, like within a week. I think because I did play Armored Core Six on Tuesday for a little bit, so as long as I kind of keep coming back to it frequently, I think I can. The controls aren't that complicated, you know what I mean? You know, your shoulder, your arms, what they do, your shoulder, left shoulder, right shoulder. Did you finish it yet, or are you still? No, playing? I completed it. I'm that's just, right. I forgot you did beat the game. I forgot you did beat it. I'm just thinking like. Um you kind of forget what the guns do and when they're effective. Well, that's so, why... But, but you can change out your loadouts and you're like, oh yeah, that's what this thing does again. The bazooka, you know, does a bazooka thing. The the sword does a sword thing. You know what I mean? Like, you look... when You know, you die and it's like you change your loadout. Like, okay, what do I have equipped? I'm like, okay, that's what I have. All right. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, so... So that's where I'm at. Um, do you have anything else to talk about game-wise? Uh, random stuff. Okay. Because uh, you weren't here for like two weeks. Like Just that. know that there is trivia. Oh, is there? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to no, go first? no. Let's do trivia last. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Uh, random stuff. All right. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. What do you Which think one? That? The latest one. You did see it? Yeah. I thought it was better than part two. Really? Yeah. I really like part two. But I think you're right. I think three is... I think the narrative was better in three. And it also had... It was more sentimental. Because of Brock and all that. Really? I thought the stuff with his mom in 2 was very sentimental for me. I think that came like in a very short burst. That's true. I think 3 is more sad throughout. And then his mentor dies too. So that's... But that's like a very tiny thing. True. But in 3, like, it kind of drags... It doesn't drag on, I don't mean in a bad way, but the whole Rocket thing is like the whole story. It's present throughout the story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, The boss, I think, sucked. Uh, Another thing... You don't like... You didn't like the Grand Evolutionary? I like him. His design is cool, but I also I think feel... he has an interesting. I think his performance is pretty good. I like the I forget the actor's name, but I thought he was like he felt menacing, way more menacing than Ego ever did. Ego in two, yeah, 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 or definitely. more than uh, what's his name in the first one? The uh, the I forgot his name. The Inquis- not Inquisitor, the Judge, whatever the guy was in the first one with the hammer. I can't remember his name. I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about, right? The 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 Cree guy. The oh yeah yeah. I thought this was the best villain as, of the trilogy. As far as um, Guardians villains yeah, goes for yeah, MCU, of the trilogy. I think this is the best one. 
I think this, but for me, it's just one of those things where it's just disnified. And it's not like, oh, I feel like it's, it's super menacing. And like, I really dislike this guy. It's, I thought al- he had it's like, always like lukewarm for me. I thought he had like a really interesting motivation, though. They went beyond just typical, like, I'm the bad guy. I want to rule everything, blah, blah, blah. Like, he had this weird. Well, he's playing God. Yeah. I, I found that kind of interesting that he was like, he already created this other society where he has like these animal people things, whatever, on this other planet. Mm hmm. Like, I thought that was really cool how he's like, it's like, we can make things cooler or better. Like, we can just keep making things, like, more interesting or whatever. And, like, it's like, and I, uh, Rocky's line, like, it's like, he's not, it's not like he wants to make things better. He just hates the way the things are or something like that. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, I thought. Yeah. Uh, like, someone who's never satisfied with, like, the finished product. I thought that was interesting. I like it. I like um, pretty much every character I was content with. But, like I said, it, it always kind of feels, like, lukewarmish. There were a couple of times where I feel like the, it was a little misleading about like you. There was like three different times where I thought like a character died. Like, oh no, they're just okay. They're okay. Yeah, that's annoying too. Like, just make. A I thought Drax died. Like, like, oh my god, Drax died. And it's like, no, he's alright. Okay. And I thought, oh, Peter died. No, he, that happens twice. I think with Peter, where it looks like he died. Like the ending for Peter is like the most graphic thing in the film, uh-huh. which was unexpected because I thought the stuff with uh rocket was going to be more graphic because yeah. they're all being experiments and all. right 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 but that was odd how like nasty it made him look at the i think end. he's just all right yeah i was okay yeah whatever so i saw that uh oh they did and they did a warlock so dirty too i, I felt like warlock? adam warlock the gold oh guy. i can't stand that shit yeah good thing you mentioned it he's so underpowered not he, just that, but then they kind of just—he's like, like they kind of just made him like into like a like the butt of the jokes at the. Dude, the- I've been telling you this shit about Disney. Damn near all the male characters—they have to like defile them. Like they just make their characters like shit. He's supposed like, to be fuck, badass, exactly. But also like Luke, he has a great story arc, and then he's with a fucking what's your face drinking the fucking blue milk. Okay, that I, bl- that I blame on Ryan Johnson. I blame Ryan Johnson for that, not Disney. But I blame Ryan it, Johnson for but that. But how is it not a trend that they emasculate all the male characters in Disney? Damn near all of them. Well, I don't know because I think Peter Quill's still badass. Drax is still badass. Rocket's he, still badass. It's just the ones you would expect to be like. Why? Why would you choose that character to be like the the comedic relief? Fucking Han Solo emasculated when? Luke emasculated when was Han Solo emasculated his storyline just sucked that doesn't mean he's emasculated nah I thought it was weak he he should have gone out like a badass he got killed by his son it could have been better that doesn't mean he was never emasculated in that movie right. though maybe not emasculated but the story arc just was shit at the end the only thing I don't like about those movies is that you never got all three of the main characters together you didn't oh get... Han Luke and Leo yeah Oh my that's god! A, How did that's, they not? That's my biggest gripe is we never got to see them on screen like all at once. That was the one. That's thing. pretty insane, dude. Yeah. Okay, so Guardians, uh, it's still worth watch. I I think the CG, yeah, it's a fun movie. The yeah. CG was pretty good. It was definitely fun. The action was great. I haven't seen it since the theaters, but I liked it. There was uh, Avatar two. Did you see it? I've never seen any of the Avatar films. They don't appeal to me. I. It, that's interesting because the first Avatar, I didn't see it until like last year. Uh-huh. I was like, finally, okay, I'll Aren't get around. Are they like to really this. long movies? Yeah, they're long. But I, it, it doesn't I just really look at long. the I just look at the way they look, and it's like it's such a dumb design. Like I have no interest in watching this. It just doesn't. I want to see the creator. Have you seen the trailer for the creator? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I want to see that. I sent that to you guys. It's already out. I'm probably the gonna watch creator, it. right? Creator. Is it the sci-fi one? Yeah. 
the creator. Oh, okay. With like the robot kid. Head, oh, that kid. makes more sense. Because I thought it was crater because it was like dystopian. Like no, what happened creator. After the creator. No, creator. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, uh, I'll see that one. That one's cool. So Avatar uh, 2. Avatar 1 actually holds up pretty well. But the story, it's also... Isn't it just like Dances with Wolves or like The Last Samurai? I... It's been too long since I saw those. We're like I didn't see Dance with the Wolves. You know, someone the the intact the main like not the villain but the character kind of goes native, right? Joins the opposing force, learns their ways, and then turns against like the side the side that he came with. Exactly. Yeah, that's like the Last Samurai or Dance with the Wolves. Which it's is a, fun. It's a, it's a good story. It's a very like it's a trope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good story, but um, it's like the like called the white savior trope kind of thing. It's kind of like that. But here, of, you're, but that trope works for any race. No, no, that's just the, what's called though. Where like okay. the person turns to like the native side or whoever like the opposing factor, and then they switch sides. Yeah, uh, I think it's worth watching strictly for the CG because the CG is like the top. The first one or the second one? All both of them. Oh, okay. But like the late, the latest one, the CG is like ninety eight, ninety nine percent perfect. Like looking at the water, every all the animals, all that stuff, like the sun glistening on the yeah. body, on the skin, just very impressive. I've heard those movies are better as like tech demos than like you know going for like a narrative, like you know, expecting like a mind blowing story. Or something. Yeah, it, it could have been cut shorter narrative wise. Like there's there's stupid scenes where they're annoying. It's like so predictable. Like there's, for example, uh, kids getting into a fight. And then eventually a kid backstabs the other kid. The other kid is in danger now. Like, it's so predictable. Mm. And then that... Uh, it's No, no, no. Fuck the story. <laughs> Most of it. Until, uh, except for the last half, because the last half you get all the action. Uh-huh. And you get really cool scenes, because uh, you get avatars, which are, like, two twice the size of regular humans. The Navi, right? And there's, like, really cool scenes where you have uh, the avatars that are dressed in, like, military fatigues with the fucking guns that military fatigues what yeah because they're because there's like uh the avatar like it's a human that's now in in the navi in the navi body yeah, yeah. but they're still militarized so they got to put uh, all the fatigue all the is that what the thing is for the second one then is like part of it yeah much uh, of it so they, there's really cool scenes where does in, that mean the guns are in proportion to them too yeah so they got like giant m4s or something yeah yeah yeah, cool. that looks really neat. And it's it's dope because you see, like, the moonlight and all the foliage. And they're all, like, hunting like you would see a, a Navy SEAL, right? Okay. But they're an avatar. That that looks really cool. Are they both? They're on Disney Plus, right? Both? Yeah. I might. I might no, I'll probably check them out, maybe. No, you, you should. They're just, they're just lengthy. I had to watch it in The two first rounds. one's, like, three hours, isn't it? That, that just turns me so off. So is the last one, like, two and a half. No, that's, two and a half is not so bad. The only reason I haven't seen the Snyder Cut is because it's four hours. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Uh, there's no way. Four I, hours. I also don't like the color palette on It's all there. grays and blacks. Yeah. yeah. People tell me, oh, you can just watch it in two parts. It's getting intermission. I'm like, mm, I don't know. So there was that. There was uh, two more. Okay. Uh, I saw Dune. I don't know how I missed it. Yes. That. Let's go. Dune part one. Yes. All right. So give me your impressions. I've been talking a lot. I love Dune. I, I never see, I've never seen the original 1980, 1970, whatever it is. The the one for the old one, the original Dune. I never seen the original one or the, any of those because there's more than one, I think. Um, but Dune, the one that came out two years ago, the Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet uh, Timothy Chalamet, whatever, with Batista and uh, Jason Momoa 
and uh, uh, Skarsgård as like the big floating. Uh, I forget the house, the opposing one. The well, with all the bald people. I forgot what they're called. I forgot their names. Uh, I know Atreides, right? Atreides yes. House of Atreides. We got yeah. Leo, who's uh, that's uh, what's his name? Uh, Poe from Star Wars. I can remember his name. Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Uh, I love his portrayal. I love Timothy Chalamet. I love all like. Dune is one of those most visually striking movies I've seen in such a long time where like the use of like those open wide shots is just like, a little character in like a big open like area. I should have seen it on theater. Like I missed it. I didn't I watched it on HBO Max when it, I didn't watch it in theaters anyways, but okay. uh, I love the I, the the design of uh, the was it the the orthopopter? What are the author uh, Yeah those dragonfly like ships they use are so cool. Um It's I'll, grounded. The film is very grounded. It is pun intended because it's all sander, <laughs> but like I love the the whole thing about like uh, with his mom too, where like he puts his hand in the box. Like there's that the I can never remember the name of the faction, but it's the like women with the veils. Like the do you remember the name? What they're called? No, no. The it's some weird name, but like his combination of where like he's like the chosen one for this faction, but also the chosen one for this other faction. They kind of like merge and blur. Like where he's like mm-hmm. he's the chosen one for like the. I can't remember. I, I haven't seen it in like two years. But the the, the faction that Zendaya is part of, I forget the name. The ones with the, the thing in their nose so they don't lose moisture. I I love that too. Like the background of like, like when a guy spits on the ground, he's like, oh, like he's insulting. Me. He's like, no, like he gave up moisture. Like that's like a sign of like respect or like, like I love like when you get into the lore or like little intricacies of cultures. There's tiny little details where I love Denny. Denny is so great. Oh, Denny Venelu, Venelu. I just something like that. I can't even say it. Yeah, but I love the how, director. Yeah, but I love how like as a well as a person looking at the stuff that's very critical of stuff. He like you see it a thing. I'll, I'll give you an example right now. But you see a thing, and you're like, oh, that's kind of dumb. That's kind of silly. And then later on, he explains it. And I'm like, oh, you fucker. Like, oh, first- the 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 shields that they have yeah. were like. I love the idea, like, they have, like, this technology that makes, like, guns almost useless. Mm-hmm. But then that just goes back around making melee weapons useful again. Yeah. Where, like, oh, like, they stop anything that moves too fast. But if you're slow enough, you can get past the armor. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's so cool. So like, I like the little explanations and then the, the visual explanation. Like, uh-huh. there's not a whole lot of, like, cheap uh, exposition. You it's know? very gamey. It's very, like, gamified where, like... Oh, when you hit the thing, it flashes red or whatever to indicate like it hit like the shield or whatever. Yeah. Like it's very like video gamey, but in a cool way where it's like it's not just because there's like an explanation why. Uh, another small explanation is um, the palm trees. Like I first see the palm trees and I'm like, okay, that's obviously a waste. There's somebody watering them. Uh, that's resources that could have gone to the humans, right? Mm-hmm. And then I didn't expect them to explain it. But they did, and they're like, oh, well, these things are uh, sacred palms and everything. Yeah. That's why I have to water them. And if I don't water them, they all die and everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. They explain- They went into it, right? Yeah. I critiqued it. Now they told me why it's important. Mm-hmm. Right after, I'm like, okay, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And then later on in, in the film, uh, the palms are on fire. And now the palms that I hate it. I didn't hate them, but the palms that I critiqued, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, they burned the palms because they had now had meaning to them. You know, yeah. I'm like, they burned the sacred palms. They're very good with the exposition in the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, the shot I really like is a part, I think it's like later on when the, with, I mean, for those of people who haven't seen it, there's like many spoilers, but like when he's, um, uh, I can't remember his name, Paul, right? Paul. Yeah. Paul, 
the main character, right? Paul Atreides. That yeah, sounds yeah. right. When he's coming up the up the dune, like in the mounts, like he gets to like the the top, and then you see like all the warfare, all like the explosions and everything. It's like a really cool shot where he kind of cresses the mount, mm-hmm. and then you see like the ships under fire and the soldiers and explosions. Like that's a really dope ass like like just that visual shot when he when he gets to the top of the mount and you see like. The invasion has like started. Yeah, everything. It's scale, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny's very good with like those like those big cinematic like shots and uh, the choreography too, like the train sequences when he's with um, what's his name? Duncan. It's like a state. It's one of the states. One of the U.S. states is his name. Duncan Idaho or something like that. Was it Idaho? That J- Jason Momoa's character. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, Duncan. It's like something Idaho or Dakota. I don't know. Something he's like, like the main guard. Yeah. Yeah, but like he's like when you do like the training sequence, the choreography, like throughout. Then later at the end of the movie, that climatic when he's like with the, uh, the Den Delanu Delanu, the Zendaya's people, and he has like we finally have that payoff at the end where he like fights the guy like one on one, like in a kind of like in a circle or whatever, and then like oh dude, like the, how they use the sandworms to like navigate with like the when they use the spikes or whatever, like to mount them. The, the hooks oh that was that was more of a tease but yeah uh, like all the stuff like i'm like i've never seen the original doing but like all the stuff they show that like, just from a lore perspective like conceptually i'm like this stuff is like really cool because it's like like that's the stuff that inspired like a new hope like star wars like George- I, I was gonna get to that uh first another thing real quick i really love how this story is it's about spice <laughs> no no that that's one thing but i like how much of the narrative is like the son and the mother going through this journey, you know, mm-hmm. like what's going on with the like the husband and his political strife and all that stuff. Atreides. But then, Atreides. like the son is also trying to protect his mother, and the mother teaches him stuff. Yeah. And it's like this interesting cycle where the parents like, are kind of opposed, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, opposed, yeah. Opposed so, forces. so that's nice. But then you start seeing like little tiny hints of like, you, uh, like you know, the Benedu. Is another name Benedu? The Benedu. Benedin. I think that's the name of the group, right? Benadu, Bened, Bened something. Do you remember? Uh, it sounds familiar though, right? It's like Bena, Benetian, but Bened, then, yeah, but that's not. I don't know. Something like that. Um, but yeah, this film came out. Well, this story came out before Star Wars, mm-hmm. and you start seeing little things, influences. Yeah, you start seeing like those little influences. I'm like, even even jo- even George Lucas has said like a lot. Like he he took some influences from Dune for A New Hope. Like yeah, yeah like you see, um, just the desert. That's Tatooine, basically. The planet know. is basically just Tatooine, and then like the the Bennett, the group are very much like Tuscan Raiders, like the way they're dressed, and the way they fight. Like it's a lot of like the influences are very obvious, I think. And then like how the spice is both a drug but also a fuel for intergalactic travel. I think that's really cool. Like that the, the sparkly stuff that's in the sand is a mm-hmm. spice, and then that's used for like it's like a hallucinogen, but it also like makes her eyes blue and it makes them like like psychic in a way and it's like very addictive but it's also used as hyperspace fuel i think that's like a it having like a dual dual purpose i thought was very interesting because it means it's sacred to the people for a reason but it's also makes it wanted by this exterior like fat empire because they have another use for it i think that's the dual use and the dual meaning i think is really cool you also get things like a precognition so you get visions, mm-hmm. and then those visions—it's like the force, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. So you get that. You also get things like um, I forgot what this is called, but you can force somebody mentally to mm-hmm. take an action. Yeah. What is that in Star Wars? That's like that's the force. That's a mind trick. Yeah, it's a mind. Oh, there we go. That's the name. Yeah. The mind trick. Yeah. Uh, so like, there's a lot of like parallels, which is really cool. I think that's also what makes me like Dune more. Is just like I love that stuff from Star Wars. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so I really appreciate the film. It's not as as like grand as the trailers, you know, portray it. Mm. But it, it makes I, me bummed that part two got delayed because I really wanted I didn't to. Know it, was delayed. it was supposed to come out next month, and then when the all that strikes and the WGA and all that happened, it delayed to like I think March of next year. But that's fine though because you know it gives them more time to like fill in the blanks, cover the little loopholes, etc. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with I don't it. know I don't know if they're doing post-production still on it I think they're delaying it because it's just not because none of the actors are able to like uh, promote it mm. because of the but strikes it's done though yeah it's done oh. okay whatever it's a Denny film I'm not gonna be disappointed yeah. so oh they're introducing like some new characters they have uh, Christopher Walken's gonna be in the second one he's supposed to be the, the emperor oh. the actual emperor emperor the cast is great like I love the and, cast uh, everybody What's his name? Austin Butler, the guy who played Elvis in the new Elvis movie. He's a like some kind of like assassin or something. Okay. So there's they're introducing like new characters. I'm like, oh, that's gonna be really cool. And then like, did you see? Have you seen the trailer for part two? The trailer? No. Oh, dude. Have I? Dude, it's so good. It's like like. Well, it, tell me about it. I, I, I mean, it's it's, it's it. kind of spoilery, but have you seen like the trailer for it? Like it shows them like where he, like he's now has like the bent the bent. I can't remember. remember. But Zendaya's group, I don't remember the call, but like he's he's basically leading them the charge against the uh, other faction, the the bald. I can't remember the house, the the house that took over that killed his family. The bald house, huh? The bald house. We'll just call him the bald house for lack of a better term. But it shows like he's like leading the war, like he's like directing. It looks like he's also controlling the sandworms. The yeah, house of alopecia. What's alopecia? Well, you lose your hair. Oh really? I didn't know that. I know what it's called, but like he's directing the sandworms and the people like against the ships and against the. It looks sick. It looks sick. So, so yeah. You know, anything else? Uh, one more. I started. I thought I thought I was gonna be able to binge this thing, but I, Loki. I saw the first episode of Loki. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I love Loki. Part I finished. One. I finished Ahsoka, and I just haven't gotten into Loki yet. Yeah, forget about Ahsoka. Just jump into Loki. <laughs> I I love the first season. This one. Is really legit too. Uh, it's. I think the second episode's out already, isn't it? Came out yesterday. It might be. Yeah, it, it might came out be yesterday. Out. Yeah. I've only seen one, but I just love so many things about it. The acting is on point. It's funny. Uh, the characters are are cool. Like, there's not too many of them, so you can really focus on their exposition. Mm-hmm. I also something that really stands out to me is just the art style of it. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's sort of like like the nineteen. 19- Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the 1940s version of what they think the 1970s future would look like. You get me? Okay. Yeah. Like Jetsons, kind of. Like, yeah. Like, like the it's here, a future like, 1970s like here's the, to me. Like here's the house of the future. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like, or like the 1950s version of what the 70s would be like. Like that Fallout aesthetic, kind of. Yeah. And I, I like seeing all the instru- instruments. Like... Like I like looking at a, a fighter jet and I, all the buttons and all that. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is in here, but it does look, it does feel it's like, like a, Fallout. Yeah, it's like that retro future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's great, dude. Like, uh, there's a costume towards the end that one of them puts on because they have to do a critical mission, mm-hmm. and the costume is comedic, comedic, but it just fits in so well, dude. It, it's, mm. it's great, dude. So watch loki yeah um, i know the two episodes are out i haven't seen them yet but yeah um i will all right is that what you got or that's it all right john you know what time it is now oh yeah what time is it trivia time no it's time to name that game
here we go. We got. I only got four questions for today, so pay close attention. Number one, which of these is not not a setting for the Assassin's Creed series so far? One, or sorry, A, the Byzantine Empire. B, feudal Japan. C, Golden Age of Piracy. Or D, the French Revolution. Golden Age of Piracy. That's C. Yes. Okay, and then the last one was French Revolution. Feudal Japan. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are correct. Very good. That's right. That's not an Assassin's Creed game yet so far. Very good. I, I thought you would get stuck. Okay. Number two. Deus Ex is not just the name of a game series. It also stems from the Latin phrase Deus Ex Machina, which means what? A. Greatness from small beginnings. B. Nothing new under the sun. C. God from the machine. Or D. The divine force. What does Deus Ex Machina mean? God from the machine. Is that your final answer? Yes. Wow. Yeah, you're correct. That's exactly what that means. Okay. How'd you know that one? Or did you, did you guess? Nah, I feel like I've heard it before. Do you know what Do you know what that phrase means? Though? Like what it's supposed to be? Like God from the machine. You know what that references? What is it? It's whenever there's a story. Whenever there's a story element that is solved too conveniently, like uh, when the solution for like something in a story shows up out of nowhere. That's basically what it, what uh, that's what a Deus Ex Machina is. It's like whenever it's like a, like oh that was very convenient that the thing we needed just happens to just show up when we need it. It's kind of like it's kind of like criticizing like a trope kind of. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how does it apply to to the to what's it called the film. What film? Um, oh, the actual Deus Ex Machina? I've never yeah, seen it. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen it. But oh, that... my God. How did you just say you've never seen it? Is that the one with... Um... Oh, that's Ghost in the Shell. Never mind. I'm thinking of the one you... with Scarlett Johansson. No, you have to see it, dude. You haven't even seen The Matrix. There's so many films I don't understand why you haven't seen. But it's up there with The Matrix. Is it a standalone movie or is it part of it's a series? Standalone. Oh, okay. Is it it's with robots, right? I think it has to do with robots. Yes. I think I've, I've seen. I think I've seen like commercials or trailers for it. Number three. Oh, also, oh, what, what, what? Uh, Denny, you haven't seen Arrival, huh? No, I heard it's really good though. You have to see Arrival. It's one of the aliens, and, you and they see can't. Blade Runner. I seen Blade Runner. Well, the, the latest first one. No, the first one. Okay, you got to see Blade Runner. I'll get to it. All right, I'll get to it. I'll Can you guys believe Andrew hasn't seen these films? What? Oh, watch the members of the audience haven't seen them either. <laughs> they're gonna no, be like, yeah. They, they have, they're gonna sure. be like, yeah. I can't believe that. <laughs> All right, number three, Johnny. You're two for two so far. Two for two. Good for you. Number three, the gaming juggernaut known as Ubisoft gets its name from where? A, the Ubine region of France. B, the sound that French crows make. C, a combination of ubiquitous and software. Or D, an acronym of the founders' names. Uh, that's a tough one. I know. I try to make these from easy to hard. Can you do it one more time? The gaming juggernaut known as Ubisoft gets its names gets its name from where? A. The Ubin region of France. B. The sound that French crows make. C. A combination of ubiquitous and software. Or D. An acronym of the founders' names. I'm gonna go with C. Ubiquitous and software. Yes. Final answer. Yes. Not bad, Johnny. That's right. That's exactly right. Three for three. Uh, the Ubin region of France is not real. I made that up. That's not a real place. And the French crow part thing, I made that up. Uh, and the acronyms also, I made that up. So yeah, you're right. Very good. Last one, Johnny, number four. So you can get these all right for once. Borderlands 1 starts off with a song from the musical group called Cage the Elephant. 
That song is called A. Cigarette Daydreams B. Trouble C. Come Closer or D. Ain't No Rest for the Wicked I'm gonna get this one wrong Let's run it back one more time Borderlands 1 starts off with a song from the musical group called Cage the Elephant Their song is called A. Cigarette Daydreams B. Trouble C. Come Closer or D. Ain't No Rest for the Wicked do you remember the intro for Borderlands 1? I don't. Ooh. Do we have a lifeline? I can eliminate half of the answers All for right, you. Do it. All right. So either Cigarette Daydreams or Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. Oh, my God. I'm leaning towards uh, the Wicked one. Cigarette but Daydreams, Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. Which one calls out to you? Uh, let's go Ain't No Rest for the Wicked Final answer? Yeah Wow First time you died All of them are correct Johnny Very good That's right Ain't No Rest for the Wicked That's exactly what the intro For Borderlands 1 starts off with It's so with the There's that little skag Crossing the road And the bus just hits it I don't know if you remember that. No, I don't remember. It hits it, and then the song starts playing immediately, and then like introduces the characters and Marcus and all. Yeah. Very good. You got all of them correct, so give yourself a pat on the back, Johnny. Very good. All right. All right. I thought you were going to maybe get half of them right, so I'm impressed. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, opinions, you want to tell Johnny, uh, I don't know, that you, that you love him and he's like, your everything let us know in reach out to us at duo sense podcast at yahoo.com again that's one word duo sense podcast at yahoo.com um john do you have any parting words of wisdom any more red light blue light green light stuff Let's go watch all the films i mentioned all of them all of them guardians these are dune at both avatars these the are matrix that, blade these are runner they're gonna think of arrival yes all of those it's a lot of movies. Oh, no, not the Avatar. The stuff I said at the end, like the four films. Oh, no, okay, okay. All right. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. So, peace. Peace. Goodbye.